What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rock, uh, Rockcast. God, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Rockcast. We are uh, we're in Boise at the Argali, the new storefront, and uh, we're with Brad. Hey, and we're what's just up, gonna we're gonna talk about stuff. The first thing we're gonna do, which I'm super excited about, is we're gonna do like a big product drop. Big product drop. <laughs> Yep. It was just decided like five minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you want to tell people what that is? Oh, we're just going to jump straight into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is our, uh, well, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, um, our Carbon X uh, set of trekking poles. Yeah, it's going it's to be sweet. I had the first, or I have the first version of them. Honestly, didn't even get the chance to use them really too much it's not hunting season yeah no. when i gave them to you so <laughs> yeah yeah and now i've got these so i'll be doing a written review for them for rock slide um i guess do you have a launch date yet um you know that's a good point jordan um it's <laughs> fluid right now given uh Thanks. global supply chains uh yeah. quality carbon fiber is very hard to come by right now so these are actually supposed to launch like right now ish but mm -hmm. they're not going to yet um, so this is, uh, it's a, it's a full carbon fiber, three piece telescoping tracking pole with a unique grip situation, which we can talk about, but, yeah. um, if with any luck, we might be able to launch them this summer. And if not, uh, probably later this fall. So just later on. Yeah. yeah. So we're telling people about it now for just because you, I like you and, <laughs> Uh, so we can we can announce it now, and you'll be doing like a longer review as well. So I figure yeah, why not? Yeah, 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 for sure. So. Yeah, we don't have to go super in depth with them, but uh, flick locks, mm -hmm. and these are sweet because the they like sit flush. Yep, yep, and they're I would describe them as like a burly carbon fiber. So I think yeah, they're notice. not like a I wouldn't say like ultra light. Yeah, so but they're like they're pretty damn light. Yeah, you're looking at like 14 ounces for a set. Um, but they're also beefy cause I, you know, the downside of carbon fiber is that they can snap. Mm -hmm. Um, so we spent a long time just trying to get the, the, essentially the carbon fiber walls. Right. So, yeah. um, I'm not super light at 180 pounds. And when you put a couple of elk, elk quarters on my back, like it's a lot of weight and mm -hmm. I tend to, you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, be able to fall and not snap my pole you know if i'm yeah. walking in a snowy slope with a couple of elk quarters like trip and fall which does happen um occasionally <laughs> not just immediately snap my pole so um so yeah anyways they're i would say they're still in that like lightweight category but they're not ultra light they're not like an eight ounce set mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's just because they need to be a little beefier for which is good right yeah i think so like a little yeah. extra and then if you're using them for like your shelters and stuff yeah um you want to be able if there's like a snow load or a wind load or whatever mm -hmm. yeah It'd be a little, little burlier. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Makes sense. And then you have like a couple of attachments that'll be able to pop on top. So yep. it'll be versatile. I mean, just like really everything you guys have been doing is kind of for more than one purpose, like the belt and. Yeah. There's that. a couple of the thing, one of the things that in addition to just the poles being, I think kind of, uh, what they are is a trekking pole. We've got yeah, two attachments that can attach to the top. Um, one is called their X3 adapter. And it has sort of three different uses. So you'll be able to run your trekking poles essentially to glass off of, run a camera off of, um, or connect your trekking poles. And then the other attachment is our quick shot attachment. So you can essentially just shoot off your trekking pole yeah. as a monopod. So, which I, I know is something that um, there are a lot of people who I have, I know who've kind of like 
finagled their own trekking pole, like drilled it out and like put attachments on so they can shoot off of them. So yeah. hopefully this will help fill a niche um, that I've seen from, I see this on forums actually fairly frequently. It's like, how are people retrofitting your trekking poles to be a sheet? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Sweet. I'm glad we got to debut it here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> here in, uh, here in Boise. Yeah. Before we dive into the tents with Brad, just want to mention our sponsor, Onyx Hunt Maps. And you can, uh, if you want to upgrade or if you want to get into a online mapping system, check out Onyx. You can use code ROCKCAST at checkout for 20% off, which equates to 20 bucks off of their Elite membership where you get access to Hunt and Fool and Topra and some other things right now. And then Black Rifle Coffee, if you want to order some coffee, get you some instants coming or some of their canned cold brews, super good too, um, especially with the spring and summer rolling around here, you can enter code ROCKSLIDE at checkout for 20% off your first order, and that is Black Rifle Coffee Company. We will dive back into the kick-ass tents with Brad. So I really came over to talk about the new tents that you just kicked out. So you got a four person and a two person. And those are, I guess you want to just talk, talk about them a little bit, like where the idea came from. Yeah. Um, I mean, just sort of being in a, an itinerant like gearhead, I'm always, you know, when I'm out, I'm just always like, why is this working this way? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, or if I get annoyed by something, I'm always like my brain just, it's like a blessing and a curse. It's like my brain just never shuts off. Um, so a few years ago I had, Wanted to design a tent largely for archery mule deer hunting. Um, I don't know if you ever sleep in mule deer beds, but I feel like I do a fair minute, a fair amount of that. Yeah, um, I haven't done a lot of it yet. Um, I've been more of like a base camper mm, okay. and trying to do like a big base camp. But this year, especially, and we were just chatting about it, like I think I'm going to try to do more of like the sleeping in mule deer beds, just trying to do more light and fast. Yeah. Type of stuff. Which, which is, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Like I love a big base camp, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> um, but there are times, especially during archery season where I just like to pick a path and just go wherever I want to go. And, you know, usually like flat real estate is at a premium and trying to find a tent that'll pitch with in sort of awkward terrain or comfortably in awkward terrain is hard, especially in the floorless space. Mm -hmm. and so that's why I've always in the, past like i've largely been a tarp person for early season hunting because mm -hmm. they're so versatile um but then the downside of a tarp at least when you're using it as your primary shelter it's just it's kind of it's also kind of awkward to get a uh, tarp to pitch properly um so anyways i wanted to find just make a tent that i could use for one or two people in archery mainly like high country archery meal you're hunting yeah so i bought fabric um, just, just went and bought some like light, lightweight fabric. Um, literally like borrowed my mom's sewing machine, like the, the super stereotypical <laughs> story and had no business sewing, didn't know how to do it. Had to teach myself how to sew first. And then I like sewed a, uh, prototype and it took me like two months. Um, uh, I had to like figure out how to cut panels and like do all that stuff. Um, did that, made that, and then tested it out. And I was like, I really, it was, it's, it's kind of an ugly prototype, <laughs> but, uh, I was really proud of it and made that. And after using it, I was like, the shape was right. And I was like, I like this a lot. Like, I think we, this would be a really interesting tent design. So from that, that was like the beginning of it. And then I just tried to figure out, um, there were some other features that I wanted in a tent. Um, namely, um, if anybody who's run a floor of the shelter, um, 
I, I personally like a floorless shelter for pretty much year-round use except for when the bugs are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some places like when I've been in like Southeast Alaska when the bugs are like the the flying bugs aren't bad, but the spiders are nasty and atrocious. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, <laughs> I don't I don't mess with spiders. So, <laughs> uh, um, so there are times when you want to insert like mm-hmm. a bathtub floor and a bug netting. Um, so, I wanted to create a system that was like easy to set up. The insert sort of easily comes in and out, and then it had a few features like our removable st- our, our arc removable stove jack system, which I can talk about here. Yeah. Um, those are all kind of features that I wanted to tent. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to address too is just the kind of the sag issue with nylon, which I still, um, I, every time I say this, it sounds like I'm anti-nylon. I'm not anti-nylon. Um, I just think there are some, um, just some downsides to nylon. Um, and I describe, you know, anytime you're talking about like product fabric or design, there are usually like trade-offs. And so it's all about like the application and the use that you're intended to use that product for in terms of finding the right material. So I wanted a tent that, that sort of was really just designed for the things that I was looking for, um, (laughs) which is really the story of everything we've made Mm -hmm. here. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the backstory. Yeah. I think that fabric was something that really like when you're explaining at the show to me, like kind of what was up with the fabric was really, um, intriguing because you don't have to seam seal it, right? So yeah, stretch, like it doesn't stretch like that. So yeah, so we use a 20D ripstop sill poly fabric. Um, so most tents, um, most tents are made out of uh, well three materials really: nylon, well typically nylon, polyester, or um, like a HDPE laminate fabric, which is like Dyneema. Okay. Right. So Dyneema is a great fabric, but expensive and kind of in its own mm-hmm. like category, kind of by itself. Um, so then you come back to like nylon and poly tents and each, when you make a tent, like you can choose how you want to coat the fabric. So the fabric is made at the fabric mill. So if you're making a poly tent, you just make a polyester fabric and you can do that in a ripstop or a non ripstop fabric, whatever you want. And then you treat both sides of it with a water coating material. And the most, two most common materials are silicone and polyurethane and polyurethane typically on a lot of tents like if you go to rei and you buy a tent uh, i would wager the vast majority of them are going to be the high-end ones at rei are going to be a sill coating on the outside and a pu or polyurethane coating on the inside there's a reason that polyurethane is used i'm going to like geek out on you and yeah materials i love it so the reason that polyurethane is used on the inside of a lot of tents there's two like really important reasons number one Uh, you can seam tape polyurethane. So you can go to REI and you can buy a tent and the seams will be taped with waterproof, uh, waterproof tape essentially. Uh, Because that is where your tent is going to leak is on the seams, right? It's not going to leak on the fabric. Most guaranteed it's going to be on the seams. Um, The other important reason is that there are states like California that require um, tents to be to be coated with what's called a fire retardant chemical or fire retardant coating. Mm-hmm. Polyurethane is considered a fire retardant uh, coating. Awesome. Silicone is not. So to meet regulations, and there are seven states that have that regulation, if you want to essentially have a retail presence in any of those seven states, like California, yeah. you have to follow their regulations. So if you're a big company and you want to do business in California, you got to follow their rules. Uh, we don't have a retail presence in California. 
uh, I would say like if you look at the in the hunt space, like the the companies that are making I would say higher end hunting tents, mm-hmm. they're all doing like we are a silicone silicone treatment on both sides of their fabric. The benefits of that are silicone to achieve. Um, you can put as much. I should have backed up. You can put as much of that waterproofing material on the fabric as you want. So let's let's say you just want to like cake that shit on. You want to yeah. you want to make like a super waterproof fabric. You can put as much as you want on. The downside is that you keep adding weight as you're doing that. So the more material, waterproof material you put on your fabric, the heavier your tent, your fabric becomes. So the question is like, you want it to be waterproof enough for the yeah. application. But you don't want to put excess material on unnecessarily because then it becomes too heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So for our industry, for our um, c- customer base, for the things that like you and I like to do, it's like I just want a tent that's like waterproof enough and it's not going to leak on me, right? That's yeah. all. That's all we really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply a lot less silicone to get achieve to achieve a certain amount of waterproofness as opposed to polyurethane. So polyurethane, you have to apply a lot more of it to get the same level of waterproofness. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of reasons polyurethane is just like not as great to use. Uh, big advantage though, you get to seam tape over it. Mm-hmm. You can't seam tape over silicone. So for us, when we coated our fabric, and this is, again, this is true of any of the other, I would say any of the other big like uh, hunting tent companies, they use a silicone silicone treatment, largely because it's just a, um, there's a lot of benefits weight wise and also durability wise to use silicone. Um, but you can't seam, uh, uh, seam tape your seams. So then you have to seam seal it yourself or you have to pay the company to seam seal it. Um, I don't like seam sealing. Yeah. Um, it's really annoying. <laughs> it's a necessary evil though. I give that long explanation just so people understand, like, that's why a lot of companies use silicone on the inside of the fabric and why you also have to seam seal your tent is because you can't seam tape over silicone. Okay. Just won't adhere. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, that was a long wind up to get to where I'm going to go, <laughs> but okay. So, uh, so what are the solutions then? If you don't want to seam seal your tent, uh, well, the, the one option that we worked out is that, you know, the pinhole gaps that get formed by the needles when you sew your seams, that's where the water comes through. Yeah. So needle pokes a hole in your fabric, pulls thread through, and there's a little gap around that thread. Mm-hmm. And then the water also basically gets into the thread and then it basically transfers through that thread in, into your tent if it's raining outside, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we use a silicone coated thread in our tents. So what that does is it essentially for, I would say, if you take the, the, the seam location, the silicone coated thread, um, you, you essentially have a waterproof tent out of the box that has a silicone silicone treatment on it. Uh, I say essentially because for 95% of, you know, use, like you do not need to seam seal it. There are, if you live in an incredibly wet environment, like coastal environment, like we do recommend you seam seal it, but for the vast, vast majority of people, you, you just don't need to seam seal it. Nice. Um, so that was kind of how we solved that problem for the vast majority of, of uses. So yes, a long answer to your question or yeah. a long wind up to it. Did that... Does that play into the anti-sag too? So the, the, no, it, it doesn't. What, what affects, um, glad you brought that up. So the reason we use poly over nylon is because, um, nylon. So 
how, do you want me to geek out on this too? Yeah. I could. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> okay. I love it. So why do we use nylon in tents, Jordan? Um, <laughs> it's a good question, right? Like most tents are made out of nylon or poly. The, I would say most tents in the hunt space are made out of nylon. Nylon is a great fabric. It has good abrasion resistance, good tear resistance. Like it's just general and good durability. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that nylon is used today is largely based on, I'd say, uh, conventional thought that nylon is just a more durable fabric and okay. better for tents. Um, when we were looking, when I was looking at fabrics, I wanted to just say like, is that really true? So uh, I went and did my own research to figure out like whether or not nylon is a more durable fabric. The only reason I was interested in poly is because poly is naturally hydrophobic, meaning it, it cannot absorb water. Nice. So nylon can absorb water. So nylon even after it's coated with that waterproof coating. So water vapor can still get through silicone. And so imagine that like you've got a fabric, nylon fabric in the middle that's sandwiched by two, two coatings of silicone. When it rains, the water itself, the moisture is not penetrating, but the water vapor is actually penetrating through that silicone barrier fairly easily. And then that fabric in the middle actually absorbs water. And that's what causes that like a nylon tent will start to sag Mm -hmm. and you'll notice it really, um, if you ever get like wet, heavy snow, you'll notice that sag quite a bit. Part of that sag is just due to your guy out points maybe need to be adjusted, but nylon can actually sag, um, you know, four ish percent. Mm -hmm. So if you add up the yardage of fabric in like a, let's call it like a six or eight person TP style tent, um, you're talking about like a, f- a significant amount of sag. So your fabric stretching 4%. If you do the math on that, let's say that stretches a foot mm-hmm. or a foot and a half. Like that's actually quite a bit. And you notice that, right? When you're in a tent, it gets really wet out. You notice that sag. Um, so uh, I so the reason I was interested in poly is because it can't absorb water just by its very chemical nature. Um, but there's this big question about whether or not poly had the same or was as good as nylon in my head. Um, and so if you look at the data on like the difference between poly and nylon and look at like tear strength data, tensile strength, some of the measurements that are used to measure durability, there really isn't any difference. It's really? minuscule today. There used to be a difference a long time ago for sure. Um, so, uh, I talk about trade-offs. So like, I, I don't want to give the impression that poly is like always a better, fabric than nylon because it's just it's just not necessarily i mean we use nylon in some parts of our tent but for the most part our rain flies are all made out of polyester um but imagine that you know 50 years ago when backpack tents were first beginning to be a thing the technology for making like lightweight rain fly fabrics it was all like nylon was just a lot more superior so you could get if you were a backpack tent company let's say you were like i don't know trying to think of an old like eureka tents yeah um i don't know that they actually did this but let's just (laughs) you know um go down this path with me for a second jordan and you wanted to make a backpack tent and you went to a fabric mill they might say like we can make you you know 15 or 30 denier nylon fabrics in ripstop uh nylon but we can't make a comparable polyester fabric for you and so you would buy the nylon fabric because it was durable. It was more durable than the poly at the time, and it was available. And then if you're a f- fabric mill company, you're getting orders for nylon fabric. 
you're going to put more of your R&D into nylon and you're going to keep trying to make lighter weight, better nylon fabrics. So it becomes this like self-fulfilling cycle, which is why you see a lot of nylon tents. And over time that became like, that, that became a self-fulfilling prophecy and cycle, which is why now today, like you can find, you know, seven denier nylon fabrics, which are, you know, paper thin nylon fabrics. The lightest weight tent fabric you can find in polyester is about 20 denier, which is what we use. Um, but technology caught up with polyester, basically. It's 2022 now. It's yeah. not 1970 anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, when you look at the data, it's just like it just doesn't bear it out. Like durability-wise, like poly's right there. Uh, really? Yeah, right there with nylon. Um, so anyways, it's so when you look at like advantages of poly, like you don't have the same sag. It has better UV resist- resistance. Um, the nylon... Like to me, it's like, I think it, it's a great fabric to mm-hmm. use um, for tents. Nice. So anyways, that's why we use poly. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Long answer. So design wise, it's like, a, what would you call it? Would you call it like a pyramid style? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you like four corners and then it goes up. So yep. you just have one pole. So it's like a teepee like with the four corners. Um, is there a reason that you chose to do that instead of like... You know, any other like designs? Yeah. So I want all of our tents to be, first of all, there be consistency across our line to the extent that we can to make them all easy to pitch. And to, the, the best way to do that for me in terms of pitchability is to uh, essentially when you're pitching our, our ring con two person or abs or a four person, you essentially are going to pitch a rectangle first. So you're going to pitch, you're going to put the four corners out, try and get as, as square as you can rectangle, put one pole in the middle, and then you're going to pitch the remaining four guy out points. To me, that's like, there's very little guesswork involved with that style of pitch. There's no circular, like, do I have this circle right kind of um, uh, uh, guesswork that goes on. The other thing is if you think about just like basic, simple geometry and efficiency of both space and material usage. So if you have like a straight object laying down, which is the way, you know, when you lay down, Jordan, I'm assuming you're, you know, more or less a straight object. Yeah. And you have like a two person tent and you're trying to figure out how do I make a tent that has enough space, but also has an efficient use of space. You want to make it, um, it's easier, it's easier to make a tent that has an efficient use of space when you're trying to design it in a rectangular or modified pyramid shape and Mm -hmm. put two straight lines in it. Um, as as opposed to creating like a circular footprint. Does that make sense? There's going to be a lot of wasted space in that circle. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's an efficiency of space. The other thing is it's, it's easier to have an adjustable pitch when you have like a modified rectangular shape. So imagine that in our like two person, Mm -hmm. it is, uh, I would call it modified pyramid rectangular shape. Um, we have line lock adjusters sewn into all the guy out points. So back to my original, um, story about like why we made this tent. So if you have like one half of that is, uh, you have like enough flat space on a ridge line for one person, let's call that a deer bed. And you're by yourself in that two person tent, you can pitch the tent. So it is, you know, the, the line lock adjusters are close to the ground on one side. And then as the ground slopes away, you can raise up that level of the tent to create like a even plane on the bottom of the tent, which is just going to create a, a more even pitch of your tent. So that all comes back. That's where tent geometry like comes into play. And 
the user probably, unless they're listening to this podcast, like won't understand like why does my tent pitch in varied terrain? Like why how can I how come I can get this thing to pitch like a little easier? It's like that's just straight geometry of the tent. Um, so I hope it's one of those things that people like probably won't ever realize, but yeah. they'll just know that their tent pitches like fairly easily in different kinds of terrain. Yeah. Did uh, did you take? I don't want to say testing. Did you take like uh, windy conditions mm-hmm. into it at all of like how that thing pitches? I've heard like tent companies before say, yeah, this one that we make is super good in wind. And it's like, why is that one better in wind than the next? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a funny question. <laughs> um, I, I feel like there's no objective. I don't know of an objective measure of how something theor- does in wind as opposed to just like using it and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that um, the bigger the sail on a on a boat, the easier wind catches it, right? Yep. And when when you create, uh, I would say, when the wind is, is getting like brushed off of corners, it has a harder time like capturing a piece of fabric and really pushing against it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So when it comes to tent design, if you have like a, let's say a... Um, a freestanding traditional tent with like tent poles in the middle that sort of arc. Um, it's, it can be fairly easy for the wind to like catch that, like a sail yeah. and just like rail against that tent when it's windy out. The advantage of having like a single pole pitch, uh, tent, um, with that sort of pyramid or modified pyramid shape is I do feel like it has better wind shear. Um, how can you measure that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, based on, you know, my experience, like they do that style of tent does like buck wind better. So imagine as the wind is like coming towards your tent and it try it like hits your tent wall. If it's able to like roll off one side or the other, yeah. that's going to make it, have it perform a little bit better in the, in, you know, intense winds. than like, if it just runs into your, you know, a sail, like a flat wall mm-hmm. and just sits there and just like beats against your, your tent wall. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, when you're pitching yours to like get the most usable space, are the walls pretty vertical? Um, they're, f- we, so our tents do have fairly steep walls. Yeah. And I like, I like to get them as vertical as I can yeah. personally. Um, we actually included a bunch of guy out points on our tent so you can get them like fairly vertical if you mm-hmm. want to. Um, but yes, so like both the two are Rincon and Absorca, uh, two person, four person have fairly steep walls for snow shedding and just for wind shear. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. And then your, uh, your internal. Yep. The insert. You've got, yep, yep. The insert. The language around the internal piece. It's like very so <laughs> widely, but we call it an insert. Um, the way it connects is there are basically four corners on the, in- so on the inside of the tent, inside of the actual rainfly tent piece, there are, pieces of uh, sewn-in cordage, essentially, mm-hmm. on the four corners of the tent, the primary corners. And you have a, a sliding carabiner that connects from the insert that connects to the inside corners of the tent. And you basically just connect those four corners. There's a line lock adjuster to tighten them. So you tight, you snug nice. each one up, and then put the pole in the middle, and that's done. So, and it's it's we can we call it kind of a floating bathtub floor. Okay. So there isn't other than those four corners. There's nothing else that sort of like pitches it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need anything. But the advantage of having that is if you're again if you're on a slightly uneven ground, um, that bathtub floor can kind of roll one way or another and still have kind of a taut pitch. Oh sweet. 
Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Can you leave the insert in it when you take it down? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Nice. So yeah. it doesn't have to be too separate. It doesn't have to be. We sell them as separate pieces. Yeah. And some people, you can, you know, so you can split them up, pack them separately if you're hunting with somebody. But yeah, yeah it can be taken down together. And currently they're all like full-sized inserts. Have yeah. you, is there any plans that you can share for like <laughs> half inserts that you could run? I've always thought that like, if you could run an insert with a stove, like a half insert and still have a stove, yeah, that would be really awesome. Which if you're, if you have to use a stove, it kind of eliminates you even having to have an insert, but just maybe for the sake of like you know, some of those special times, I guess. Yeah. Um, you're not alone in wanting that journey. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I've gotten a lot of that feedback. Um, the, the challenge. So, uh, so yes, we are, we will be making, I'm sure a half insert for both our yeah. four person or two person. The challenge with running the insert while you're also, uh, running a stove is just fire hazard. So if that stove and here's where I, the problem I have is, if that stove is relatively close to the mesh door, because the stove is on our tents, the stove jack is is kind of off, just off center, the center of the tent. Um, with the location of that stove jack, if that mesh is too close to the stove box, and you like unzip your tent and it falls over and hits that, oh yeah, like it could flames. Yeah, exactly. So there's just some design stuff we got to work through. But I know exactly what you're saying, and I yeah. I, I, a lot. You're not the first person to ask that, so you're probably like the 75th person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to want so, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll. I'm sure we'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. Let's. Uh, how are they on like weights and price? And yeah. So our two person, you can get the tent itself for uh, 215, and then the inserts another 145. So, um, and then on the on the four person, the Abzaroka. Um, you're looking, um, well, essentially like 385 for the tent and another 195 for the insert. Um, they're both trekking pole pitchable, or you can um, you can buy a dedicated uh, carbon fiber pole. So I say yeah. one of the most common uh, comments we received. Um, we did, we've done two trade shows this year, consumer trade shows, and like the most common thing comment we received is is just like, oh man, those are like fairly affordably priced, which is funny. Um, yeah. we don't, we don't, um, well, number one, like we don't sell a lot of what I would call inexpensive products. And, um, that's just because when we're making something, anything, it's the price is the last thing on my mind. Typically yeah. it's like, we need to be, we're trying to make things affordable for people mm -hmm. and have like a, a fair markup on our product for the consumer. But I don't make anything thinking like, oh man, we got to hit X price point because that's we try and make it with like the best materials and design we can and usually the price is just kind of is what it is yeah um, but for this product we were able to hit i feel like a fairly like affordable price range given the oh yeah sort of the market for sure yeah like 215 and then get a stove yeah i mean that's a really versatile system and then the insert what's the insert uh the insert for the two person is 145 okay yeah. yeah. So then, and then, yeah, I've always said like, you know, the freestanding designs versus like a more a floralist, which just, you know, usually they're just not freestanding. Um, I guess yeah. they're never freestanding. Actually. They're, yeah. they're never freestanding. Yeah. Um, you just get so much more versatility 
out of a floorless, especially if you can have an insert option. Right. And then you can have a stove option. Um, and then you just get so much more usable space for the weight that totally. it's just, they're really hard to beat. I think and so. people shouldn't be scared of just sleeping on the ground. It's Do you sleep on the bad. ground? Do you use a floorless setup now? Yeah. 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 I've used a floorless, yeah, for a long time. And uh, Ryan Avery got me on the Bora Bivy train. Because before I just used like a um, piece of Tyvek or something. Yeah. And, but with that bivy now, like it's super light. It's like nine ounces or something. Huh. It's just okay. tiny. Uh, super tiny. Yeah. And it doesn't like it. Um, the only thing you can do is just like a mesh around your head. So you can like, you know, tie off a point. So it keeps the mesh out oh, of yeah. your head, out of your face. But I use it more for just um, protection for my sleeping pad. And then it keeps like my pad and bag and everything contained. And then when I leave during the day, I could just zip it closed. And then it like bugs and stuff can't oh, crawl into my cool. whole system idea. during the day. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't heard about that one before. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And they're like a hundred bucks. Oh, that's they're, super affordable. They're pretty, yeah. Super affordable for, you know, a bivy. You look at bivvies a lot nowadays and it's like 250 bucks for the lower end. So. And they're not even, some of the bivvies aren't that light either. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so you start, then you start getting into this game of like, is it better to use a bivy versus a tent? And yeah. Yeah. And I use, um, like I, when I'm going super light, I usually use like a, um, piece of a contractor's bag. I'll oh like yeah. Cut the edges of it and use that as my vapor barrier. Nice. Um, but yeah, depends on the time you're off to check out this sport. Bivy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. sweet. I like yeah. it a lot. Um, yeah. And then I would say this last year we ran, I just ran floored shelters just like Hilleberg's quite a bit this last year just for I don't know why ease of pitch I guess I don't know yeah yeah, yeah. still on the still on the hunt for a really good floorless though that like yeah. we were talking about earlier you can pitch in a deer bed and be like a really light fast like on your back option yeah yeah especially um I mean yeah I and mean, we didn't talk about our arc stove jack system but like just having something that yeah you can choose to run like with or without a stove um because i don't know about you but i don't really run a stove during archery season typically unless it's like really cold out but yeah you know. sometimes i think like the later september storms that can come through yeah, just because they're so nasty. wet yes. yeah i try to i try to i usually plan for a stove mm, in those okay. trips just because it's like that snow can just be so wet and like mixed that I just want to be able to dry stuff out. Yeah. You can definitely wake up to a foot of snow in yeah. September. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what about the arc stove jack that has a vent in it as well? Or so, yeah. So basically, um, we have like a removable stove jack system. So, um, one of my, um, uh, pet peeves with, um, some of the, uh, uh, just like stove jacks in general is like they're sewn into a tent. So, especially for backpacking tents, like tents where I'm not going to pack it on stock or llamas or goats or whatever else people are using. Like, I think when it comes to like bigger style tents, like eight person tents, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to backpack with an eight person tent. Yeah. Some people do, but I'm not going to, um, is that when you have, uh, a lightweight tent, that's like in the one to, I'd say two, two and a half pound range. Mm -hmm. And you add a stove jack that's sewn in, like it adds quite a bit of weight and bulk bulk is a big thing too that stove jack fabric is is necessary but also to so your tent doesn't melt down but and it's essentially it's a weld a welding fabric so most most of your stove jacks you may have it's a silicone coated fiberglass mm -hmm. um 
and you have to have two pieces of it, right? So you have one piece. So imagine like to make a stove jack, just make this real simple. Yeah. You cut out a hole in your, in your rain fly and then you sew in a chunk of welding fabric and then you put a hole in that, that chunk of fabric where your, your, uh, um, your chimney is going to come out of, right? Yep. And then, but then you have to sew in another chunk of uh, welding, that welding fabric that sits on top of, to cover the hole. So if it's raining out and you're not running yeah. your chimney, that other piece of fabric will cover the hole, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have two pieces of that fabric, which is like kind of bulky and heavy. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a small tent, let's say you buy a two or four person tent and you buy, when you want a stove jack, well now you have to pack around that stove jack when you're not running a stove during mm -hmm. the early season or so you're doing summer scouting or whatever. Yeah. So our arc stove jack system was created because you can, it, there are, uh, it's it's a bell-shaped system, bell-shaped stove jack, and it's it is zipped in by via a zipper. So there is a zipper that zips in the stove jack, and over the top of that, there's another zipper um, that zips in a piece of rainfly fabric. So you have two okay. zippers. The idea is that you can unzip and zip out that stove jack if you're not going to use it. So oh, if you're early yeah. season scouting, yeah. you can just take out that stove jack fabric, and now you don't have it anymore. Um, when you're ready to run a stove jack, you can just zip out or ready to run, run a stove, excuse me, you can zip out the rainfly fabric and that, that serves as the cover for the hole. Mm -hmm. So if you compare, so like if you compare having a dedicated stove jack to our system, it, it'll save you about a third of a pound essentially, plus the bulk of the, yeah. of the stove jack fabric. Now, if you just want to keep the stove jack always in, you can, uh, but for, I'd say for that two and four person range of tents where you're probably going to, you can use it for either backpacking or you can use mm -hmm. it for uh, backpacking with or without a stove. Um, it gives you just some options to save a little bit of weight and a little bit of bulk. Yeah. Some options. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So anyways, that's our arc stove jack system. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any other, like, I guess any other new things for this year you can share? online um i feel like i've shared everything with you yeah. jordan <laughs> <laughs> um no we've got uh I'm trying to think we just no i've got uh you know probably like a dozen things in the works oh, or yeah. something but um but always yeah thinking. always thinking yeah always playing sweet. with stuff i just showed you a prototype thing here yeah. in the office but um it's gonna be sweet yeah so yeah nothing nothing else right now um but yeah we'll be um we just did our tent pre-sale and but sold out of most of our tents already. Which yeah. Is, what's it looking like for a restock? Uh, probably <laughs> not good. <laughs> I mean, like October. Yeah. Well, uh, just the way things are right now. And I don't think it's really looking that much better. Yeah. It's the way things are going. No, it's no, definitely not. Yeah. Mater material sourcing is getting, it's going to get a lot harder. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I digress. I could talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, I think that's it. You've got your, let's see, there's a pretty large thread already on the Rockslide forums about the tents and people have been asking questions and you're super fast to hop on and, and answer them. So if anybody wanted to go do that, they could, I guess. Yeah, or they can, you know, reach out, reach out to us on Instagram if they have any questions or shoot us an email. And yeah. uh, I try to respond to Rockslide stuff as fast as I can. I'm not always as great as I'd like yeah, to. There, that's okay. Yeah. Try, that's okay. Try hard though. Um, as far as the storefront goes, is it going to be open? Yeah. 
Yeah, we're um, starting in April. So we've got um, our new office showroom here. Um, it's kind of on the east end of Boise. Anybody, yeah. if you're rolling through town, come see us. Um, we'll have our tent set up and then everything else that we make will be here um, in the showroom as well. So people are welcome to come by. Sweet. Yeah. So. All right. Sounds good. That's all I had for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, right. Jordan. Thanks. Yeah.